0: Hello and welcome to the Stand Up Tragedy Podcast. My name's Dave and I'm your host and I'm up here at the Edinburgh Festival. You can hear the sounds of the Edinburgh Festival in the background. It's happening all around me. Now, I'm up here to do my show which I host, which you'll listening to the podcast form of, but we're doing a live version of it at the Banshee Labyrinth every day till the 24th of August at 7.30. It's part of the free fringe, so you don't have to pay any money to get in, but we do accept contributions and donations and support from you at the end of the show. So if you feel like the show is worth your money, then you can give us some money there. A much better way of approaching this horrible business of capitalism, I think and hope you'll agree. Now, today's episode of the show is a clips show. So I'm going to play you some of the clips of some moments that have happened at some of the shows. You're going to hear some brilliant performers. They've all got shows themselves. So check out and listen to the plugs for those and go and watch their shows. We really recommend them. So we're going to start up with some poetry, some tragic poetry, from some of our favorite poets that have performed with us so far. So we're going to start off with the always wonderful, always warm and often beautifully tragic Lucy Ayrton. Let's see. So. Our first performer for you today. She is doing a show called Splitting the Mermaid at the Underbelly Cowgate every day. Well, not probably a few days off, so double check that. But it's at 5.20 over there. Uh, She's a fantastic performer. I'm looking forward to having her on stage, not being as sad as me, giving you something actually to get your teeth into. Put your hands together, everybody, for Lucy Ayrton!
1: So I have two poems for you, um, both about tea. One of love, one of hate. Which would you prefer to hear first? I will be doing both of them. Hate. Hate. Okay, (laughs) fine. I'll give you your poem of hate about tea. Maybe I should deny you to ramp up the tragedy. That's not really tragedy, it's just petty arsishness. Okay, I will do your poem about hate. Um, So, when I was a little girl, I thought that I was going to grow up into the kind of person who was a badass, like some sort of space pirate, like incredibly cool person. Um, What happened is I grew up and got a job in marketing and became the kind of woman who really... It does actually get quite upset if you don't file your reports on time because it makes it quite difficult for me um, to do the quarterly figures. Um, Everyone has disappointments in life. Uh, That was mine. Um, So I wrote this poem um, about a woman I used to work with who is not particularly timely with the monthly reports, which makes it difficult for me to do the quarterly figures. It's called Nemesis. When I make cups of tea... You will not get your own tea bag. You will get my second-hand tea bag so that your tea will contain almost no caffeine because I will have taken it. And I will deliberately overbrew your second-hand tea so that it's dark and unpleasantly tanniny. Seeing you wince as you sip fizzes me with pleasure as I drink my perfectly adequate cup of tea. One day, you and your team will be arguing over whose turn it is to make the tea. Oh, don't ask Lucy, you will say. She is so bad at making tea. and i will shake their heads at you. Murmur their dissent. They will think less of you for your meanness because everybody knows that I make perfectly adequate cups of tea. Up yours, nemesis! <laughs> I will shout very loudly in my head. Thank you very much. Before I do um, before I do my last poem, I will do the important plug that I mustn't forget, um, which Dave totally did, and I have not a lot to add. Um, um, everyone come and see my show, The Splits of the Mermaid. It's daily at 5.20. I do not have days. I have one day off.
0: Do you not have any days off? There'll be another host here some days. Tragic.
1: (laughs) Super tragic. Um, Anyway, it is a um, dark feminist retelling of The Little Mermaid fable, the original Hans Christian Andersen one, not the bullshit Disney version, um, updated to modern-day Hull. Most tragic of locales. (laughs) And place of my birth. Um, Although, um, because my dad works for the BBC and I went to Warwick Uni, my accent has been levelled out so much, someone came to see it today and they were like, oh... Did you go to Union Hull or something? I was like, no, no, I grew up there. And I'm like, oh, your accent was okay. <laughs> Thanks. Um, also, selling my show is going. Is I am very good at. I start waffling and do uh, my final poem, uh, love poem about tea. Except, I tricked you. It's not a proper love poem. It is a poem of love lost. In your collective faces. Um, I um, I actually wrote this poem um, for an ex-boyfriend. Um, that is funny, once you've heard the poem and you know how inappropriate that was, um, because he asked me to write a poem for his wedding. Um, it's so inappropriate for a wedding, but fortunately, uh, by the time I'd written it, they'd already ended the engagement, so... Fine. Um, this poem's called Bonfire Juice. Thank you very much for having me. I find a box of Lapsang Sushong, 10 years out of date, and I think of you. Like always. Do you remember the kitchen? Remember, lurching in, all rumpled from sleeping, and I was making bacon on the Aga and you gave me the biggest smile and... I'd never even seen an aga, apart from Montelli, but remember, I'm resourceful, and you were thirsty for tea, but all we could find was this box of old leaves that smelt a bit like the bacon, and this big, flat-bottomed thing, that when you boiled it, whistled. Like in a book. And I had never heard of a house with no kettle. I didn't know you could make tea without bags. I never used a saucer. Not for that. Do you remember the teapot? My mum's is made from, I don't know, clay or something, but this one was silver. Real silver with all symbols carved round it in some language we'll never know. And even back then I was far too old, but I swear at the time I thought it must be magic. And do you remember the tea? Every day, at eight and then eleven and then three, the tea. And we'd sit all solemn round this two big table, because we knew without being told this wasn't like like from a mug tea, this tea was meant to be sipped. And you remember the taste of it and the way the cup was all hot in your hands and the smell? Somewhere I was four, I learned how to read. We still lived in the country and people used to burn their leaves. That smell. Do you remember that one afternoon we ran out of milk? So we had to use whiskey. And you? called it bonfire juice. And we sat out in the sun until way after there wasn't any sun left and we laughed. Do you remember? Well, I still like lapsang souchong, so I take the box and make the tea and drink a cup and think of you, like always. Thank you very much guys! Enjoy the rest of your sadness. And
0: now it's my great pleasure to introduce Daisy Thurston-Gent. I saw Daisy doing some poetry in London. She blew me away. She's not from London originally. She came down especially to do a show there. She blew me away and I asked her up to join us here. And she blew me away yet again one of the things we love to do at stand-up tragedy is to put together performers who wouldn't normally be on the stage with each other and allow them to create new combinations and it's always great to hear new people telling us new kinds of tragedy uh, you can find her at daisy t g poetry or poet no yeah poetry on Twitter, which is a little bit of a giveaway of who she's going to be, but not a complete giveaway. So you still have to guess on what those initials are going to be for just one moment, but now you're here. So put your hands together for Daisy
2: Thurston-Gent! <laughs> this one is going to be my, my tragic one, I suppose. Um, yeah, I haven't really... I've done it... I think I've done it once before, but um, yeah, it tends to lower the time. So this is like the perfect opportunity to actually to say that one and get it out there. Um... I thought I had more of an intro than that, but I don't. Uh, It's a metaphor throughout this poem, so see if you get it. Uh, it Sounded really patronising. I understand why it's called an attack. Because the pains really do creep up and come in shooting, all guns blazing types making a name for themselves, tearing down the soft walls like reckless snipers and aiming their rifles right in freeze. No wonder most of us would stay perfectly still They go straight for your uniform Half red, half blue Strip you of everything you are And stifle every beat Shoot you to silence If I heard now, quick This man is under attack I'd bring some ammo of my own And I'd prepare for battle But we never got the message in time So we had prepared no armour Just had to harden faster When I heard my father's heart Had been taken hostage And the hospital where he sought refuge closed its doors and sent him away. And I'm sure that there's a doctor out there who I used to blame. Say they had your blood on their hand, but it's since been washed off numerous times and then sterilised to erase any trace. I hate that I'm forgetting details of your face. hate that I can't recognise your voice on homemade videotapes. Find it strange that your side of the wardrobe is still full enough for us to lend your clothes to our male friends when they stay over and though each day fades the memory a little more I know it's still your blood that runs riot in my veins like abandoned refugees in thinning red streams you remain a secret that I only seem to find in paper cuts these days I wear your name like a badge of honour because never again will I be unprepared for war and yeah, some days I can forget what it is I'm fighting for roaring, furious, throwing my words around like weighty SS militants picking my fights like that penny sweets when really the only armed forces I support are the soldiers of our own British Heart Foundation and the, and the doctors preparing to take out the snipers with scalpels and sterilised knives, fight for the right operations and lower the rate of these fatal attacks that rack up casualties, tear apart families and snatch Our loved ones for their death toll. We can hold the pains at bay like we're part of a nationwide stakeout. Remain crouched in battle and choose our words wisely. So come on, sniper, you just go ahead and try me. I have no intention of going down quietly. I want you to shiver when you see my silhouette stood to salute on the horizon because I refuse to lose any more troops to you. I march with my jaw repeating your name. Yes, Sniper, I remember February 1998. I know I'll never be a time-turner, but I've learnt now how my heart beats its own secret Morse code message every year on that date. A tub-thumping chant for just him and me and that's something you can't take. I'll support the cause because 15 years ago, this is something I wish I'd fought harder for.
0: Thank you. So uh, you're, you're the, the next performer, uh, he's hes going to be doing um, some conversations uh, in Edinburgh uh, at the Royal Oak uh, on the 18th to the 22nd of uh, August at uh, 3.15, uh, every, all of those days. Uh, that show's called Getting Better Acquainted. Um, he also hosts a, a show called... Uh, Stand-Up Tragedy, uh, because you put your hands together for Dave Pickering, everybody. Right, so I'm going to do some songs. I'm going to do some songs on a ukulele. Is that coming through? Well, it probably doesn't really matter. Um, So, yeah, I... I, um, a, tr- a tragic thing about the fact that I got a ukulele I, I used to i used to sort of be a professional ukulele player i i worked uh I w- worked with the under fives for for five glorious years of working and telling stories and singing songs to the under fives and then earlier this year shoo, uh, the cuts came and uh, my job was was no more um, you can read about it in a comment is free uh, article if you want but that didn't really make up for the loss of my job uh, the whatever it was 80 pounds they paid me for that um, so yes I'm skinned so remember that when you're putting uh, putting money or not putting money in the hat at the end uh, this is financial suicide me being here I'm gambling with my life um, so yes um, I wanted to, uh, to to do a couple of songs to sort of give the origin story for why I'm interested in tragedy, I guess. Uh, So I'm going to do a song about my dad and a song about my mum. The song about my dad is the first one. It's called uh, Talk to Your Parents.
3: When I was nine, you would read to me from that book every weekend. When I come to stay, I'd sit There all morning listening to your voice In the middle of the book there is a broken man Who mends himself for a final stand He recovers from the sickness that has infected his land Out of doubt, out of dark to the days rising I come singing in the sun, sword unsheathing Two hopes and I rode and two hearts breaking Talk to your father about what your life is like while he is alive. Talk to your father about what his life was like before you were alive, before this time. for this time. I saw the king in the story as you, and I grieved when he died for your death too. Theoden King, as a father you were to me for a little while. It's not the dark that I'm scared of it is the sense that there's nothing after this when you've gone, you will have gone I will never hear your voice again listen to your father tell you what his life is like while you
0: are alive well that makes no sense, but never mind
3: to listen to your father tell you his story While there's still time There's, while there's time You still have the time You smile at me and you take me in your arms And you say that if you don't exist Then you cannot feel You will not be able to care Fear is for the living and who cares what will be Because you are here with me in this time and in this place We are safe inside this bed We can go to sleep It's safe to go to sleep Talk to your parents About what their life was like before you were alive Talk to your parents About what your life is like While they are alive While there's still time While there's still time Tell me what your life is like Tell me what your life is like. Tell me what your life is like. While there's still time. While there's still time.
0: Okay. So... I mean, that's a sort of st- song about, obviously, me realising death exists. Um, my dad had a heart attack, a minor heart attack, when I was six years old. I had a quadruple heart bypass when I was 15 years old. So my entire kind of life was spent expecting him to die. I'm 32 years old now and he's 90, so uh, he's not died yet, uh, but it, I guess it's going to be soon. Uh, but, uh, but yes, uh, there we go. So now here is Chella Quint, and it was our pleasure to welcome her to our stage to do some letters, some poetic letters with us. For after Cella, we're going to go from Cella into a little bit of the performance that Matt Hyton did, the comedian Matt Hyton did with us. Part of the reason I've got this clip is because this is the kind of moment that I love happening at Stand Up Tragedy where a performer plays off another performer and takes up some of their themes and expands on it and just it's a, just a spontaneous moment when you get a bunch of performers on stage to do different kinds of things one after the other. Our next performer she's just been commissioned by the Institute of Physics uh, to do a uh, to do a show is it? A show. There we go. A show about her space, po- uh, her space poetry, and she's also just hosted a comedy show at CERN. So how cool is that? Uh, you can find out more about her at Cella Quint on uh, Twitter. So put your hands together for Cella
4: Quint. Thank you. Hello, hi. I'm Chella. Um, does anyone else here like space? Yeah. All right. um, I usually start by telling everybody that, um, that I love space too and I'm such a big fan of space that um, I created a fanzine about space um, and I write like fake fan letters between planets and I, I wish that we could all join the space fan club and get badges and stickers and things like that um, and you, you will be able to do that in October actually so stay tuned to my Twitter and I'll let you know all the details um, but, it, but in the meantime um, what a lot of people don't really ever get to hear is my sad letters between planets. And my sad stories about space. Um, So I'm really excited that Dave invited me up here because these are the sad, depressing ones. So here goes. Um, Is anyone here totally in awe and frightened by the vastness of space? Yeah, me too. Does anyone ever uh, look at the stars? And if you're ever in a place where there are more than the usual amount of stars you can see at home, you almost want to (laughs) cry because you can't cope with there being that much stuff out there? Um, what about space being under us? Do you ever think of that? I know, right? Like, we're in space right now. I, I find it terribly alarming. Um, but, um, but I wrote a fanzine about space. At, it's called It's Not You, I Just Need Space. Because I thought, if you're a fan, you should write a fanzine. Um, and I've also written a ridiculous number of letters between planets. Um, and uh, now that's funny. Um, but um, I based them all on, um, on the BBC News website's news stories. So the BBC News website is incredibly sentimental about space. Um, so like when, when Pluto was demoted, um, it was uh, Pluto loses its status. And, you know, lots of sets of Pluto is left out. Pluto no longer a planet. Word of the year 2006, getting Pluto'd. And it was, you could tell which side the BBC space section editor was on. Um, And this new story came up uh, this time last year, the 16th of August. Kepler, NASA retires prolific telescope from planet hunting duties. The prolific Kepler space telescope has had to give up its prime planet hunting mission after engineers failed to find a fix for its hobbled pointing system. So um, it... It has these stabilizers that stabilize this, um, this really big telescope in space so that it's orbiting, but it's held really, really still. And if, um, if all four stabilizers don't work, it doesn't stay steady enough for it to spot the planetary oscillations that can help you find out that distant stars actually have Earth-like planets orbiting them. It has to stay really still for it to work. Otherwise, it doesn't detect these tiny gravitational oscillations. The observatory lost the second of its four reaction wheels in May, meaning it can no longer hold completely steady as it looks toward the stars. Imagine that looks toward the stars as it—it's—it's—it's it's, it's like a, it's a telescope. It's not even a person, you know, but it's—it's it's all totally personified. Um, and this made me feel so sad for the Kepler telescope. And um, actually, since I wrote this letter, um, I've actually moved on from the job I was doing. I was. Um, I was working in a school for 12 years, and then I left to get my master's degree. Um, and in the year that I left, I uh, started tripping and falling a lot more often. And I was really worried. I thought there was something seriously wrong. And, and it turns out that, um, that I'd memorized the building where I worked. And actually, my vision was a lot worse than I thought it was. Because the place where I spent um, a good sort of 16 hours of every day, because that's what you do if you work in schools, thanks, Gove, was spent um, just, you know, navigating the building the way I'd memorized it. Dear NASA, I can do it. I just need a little more time. I can... I know there are more planets out there. And I can... I can tell the difference between planetary oscillations and my unsteady eyes, I promise. I can tell. It's just... It's just kind of hard to explain it to you. But I can if you give me a chance. I can work out how to get you the data you need. I can still do my job. I really want to keep doing my job. You're gonna lose so much data. Don't suspend me again. We lost so much time during those three weeks. And I know you tried everything and I can't see any better, but I still know what to look for. And I know I can still find it. Please don't give up on me. I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to do out here. I hope. I hope you'll think of another way and that you'll let me know when you do. I'll be here, and I'll be looking at the stars, and I'll be saving all the data for you, just in case. Yours sincerely, the Kepler Space Telescope. Um, this one is, uh, it's, I always call it the Amy Winehouse letter. It's, it's from the sun to the earth. Dear Earth. This is a really hard letter to write, but I'm just gonna lay it out there. I think you're letting yourself go, and I don't think I'm helping. (laughs) Every time I look at you, your ice caps are even thinner. Lately, you're one disaster after another. Now, I know you're stuck with me, and I'm sorry about that. I do my best to provide for you, but sometimes I just get, you know me, I'm hot-blooded. The thing is though, I can't help the way I am. I'm dangerous. You need to protect yourself. You've always known the score. Lately, I don't think you've been taking precautions. I think I'm toxic for you. When I first noticed, I thought it was my fault. Like, maybe we were getting too close or I was too old for you. But it's not me, it's you. I'm scared you're gonna be too far gone soon. I don't want to lose you. Please look after yourself, the sun. <laughs> how much time have I got left? Okay.
0: It,
4: so. Two minutes, oh dear, <laughs> that's too funny. You laughed too much at that one. Um. Oh, I realized that, uh, I'll do this one. The, um, the, the shuttle program ended um, and I was really sad when that happened but I realized that um, there would probably be somebody more sad than I was um, dear NASA okay seriously when you left I was just fronting it was a silly argument I don't need Teflon or Fisher space pens you can keep the velcro I can live without that stuff The truth is, I miss you. I miss getting excited when you announce a new mission. Watching all the people gather at the launch site, hearing the countdown and knowing when they get to one, I'm going to see you soon. I miss watching your boosters detach and fall away as you get closer and closer. I really miss the docking and undocking. But now you've decided that's all in the past. That even though it hurts, you don't want to burn yourself out. We had a good few years, Nasa. Sorry for the times I let you down. I'll never forget you. And I'll always be grateful for everything you've done for me. All my love, the International Space Station. (laughs) This is the saddest one there's ever been. Is that all right? It's so sad I've never done it. It's it's inspired by an astronaut that I, I read that one too and he cried and hugged me and I felt really bad because it was meant to be comedy. Um, he said that the next space missions will be to places where no one can return from because it'll take so long to get there that you can never come back. And he asked an audience full of school children who here is ready to never call the Earth their home again. Dear Earth, what can I say? You're amazing. You're so warm and giving. I think you actually given me everything I've ever asked for. Even, you know me so well, you even give me stuff I didn't know I needed. You're always there for me. And I mean, it goes without saying, I'm still totally attracted to you even after all this time. But sometimes I just want more. Sometimes I feel like your hold on me is too tight. Sometimes I worry that I'm hurting you. And don't you ever feel a pull? Don't you ever wanna see what's out there? When you look around, I mean, there are billions and billions of possibilities out there. Opportunities, adventures, it's so inspiring. I really appreciate how you support me in everything I do and you always keep me grounded, but I just don't want to be grounded right now. It's not you, I just need space. Thank you,
0: thank you. Quince, everybody. So now we come to the last part of the tragedy. Before we do that, I should just mention uh, there will be a hat at the end. And as I said, uh, I'm I'm financially ridiculous here on this stage. So you will help me to 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 live, basically, if you put some money in that hat. And I'm, I'm you know, as I said, lost my job before, but I had already arranged to come here before I lost my job. Very bad mistake, but. Good show, so that's good, so that's all right. It's okay if you're making a good show, but the the best thing about making that show will be if you help uh, to give a little bit of money towards making some more. Anyway, so that's always a good way to introduce someone, isn't it? Do a little bit of the bucket speech, then introduce someone. I think that's like a a classy way, classy way to do it. Um, Right, so our next performer, he is doing a show called Good Luck Sleeping Jerks at Three o'clock at Heroes at the Hive, just up the just up the street there. And his name is Matthew Highton.
5: Uh, just give Dave some money. I think is the message here. <laughs> just or a sandwich, either or. Um, really randomly, I'm just gonna. Is it Chella or Chella? Chella. with a ch. Yeah, with a ch. I just really want to talk about this now. Uh, <laughs> genuinely one of the things i find most tragic in my life is i will never get to go to the into outer space i i am obsessed with adventure uh love the idea that it makes me really sad that there's nowhere left on earth to discover really now like i love the idea that i could have lived at a point where you could just sail somewhere and go oh this is new, <laughs> brilliant. Let's look around. And I'm obsessed with space. I really, really follow the whole space program. Like um, NASA, was it last year? They uh, they put a patent out for a warp drive, didn't they? If you know about sci-fi and stuff, that's what. Yeah, look at that. You You're always like, <gasps> what? <laughs> Genuinely, they patent They got a professor who thinks he's figured out a warp drive. And the uh, the basic way of it is, um, he said, imagine. You know the, the floor escalators in airports? How it works, but it doesn't break relativity because it's like walking on one of those where you're still moving under the speed of light, but because that's moving as well, it propels you faster. And they think they can do this to do deep space travel, which is where all that came from. And it's really bad. But I was reading a story on it on the BBC, and it looked so sad. <laughs> My girlfriend was like, are you all right? And I was just like, it's just really upset that I'll never I'll never travel through space. <laughs> and she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I really love the idea of, of going into space and, and seeing if we can find somewhere new, but I'll, I'll be too old when it comes out. And she was like, but if that happens, because I told her about that story, she was like, you wouldn't come back. And I was like, "If yeah, that's all right. <laughs> and she you could see the hurt in her eyes. So you can come with me. <laughs> so what would we do? And I was like, don't know, just... Take the Wii U and play Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> that was my plan, um, which I think is foolproof. But she wasn't into it, and then her reaction was, "Who's going to look after the cats?" And I was like, "I'm sure they could come with us." Uh, and that is my dream: travel through space with my girlfriend, two cats, and Mario Kart. And that for me is perfect. But I will never, never get <laughs> like. Oh, Sonic.
0: Before I introduced that last clip, I was talking about spontaneous moments that you just can't expect that happen to you and this next clip is a clip from a the start of a set from the comedian Jos norris who is an excellent comedian he came up to the stage he asked a question to the audience and he got a response from the audience that he wasn't expecting it was beautiful it was perfect it was the perfect tragic heckle it's the kind of heckle that is so appropriate for stand-up tragedy so i just had to include this clip in today's show. My, uh, my, like Dumbo with my, my my clipboard. Uh, Well, obviously he didn't have a clipboard. Uh, Anyway, right. (laughs) So, um, now our last performer of the tragic variety night that we're doing. I mean, here, it only takes a little bit to throw me completely and here we are. Uh, So, Pretty much the same kind of introduction I gave him last time, which is a very awkward one. Which is very appropriate because his show is called Awkward Profit, and it's on uh, 420 at the Underbelly at Bristow Square. So, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Jaws Norris. How you all doing? You all alright? Can you all hear me? <laughs> oh, good.
5: Okay. Uh, whoa. Okay, uh, I'm going to chat a bit about um, a bit about love. If I may, just because, uh, and, and the tragedy will become apparent very fast. Okay. Um, has, has anybody ever been in love, by the way? Just to, just to check what's yeah, going on. Have yeah. you all done it? you all tried yeah. it? Yes. This man at the back. What's it like? Is it good? Married seven years. Okay. Doesn't necessarily answer my question. <laughs> <laughs> is, is it all right? Is it all right the first two years with Joe. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> I the last five years have been... You've, you've become very honest, very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there might be a little bit of like, Yes, it's alright, it's alright. And yet you've just gone straight to like, yeah, bored. Just bored of it. No, no. It's not bored, it's... It's team. <laughs> <laughs> the last five years, has been a dream. It's the saddest thing If <laughs> No, no that's not, that's, You turn not see your partner with best friend. You're already lying. You see your partner! Hey, you're my best friend. You're already like me. Wow. I mean, I'll be honest. The question I asked at the top of this routine was supposed to be a sort of a quick segue into a bit of material. What no, no, no. it's turned nice. into, no, I mean, what it's turned, turned
2: into is far more fascinating <laughs> <laughs> than anything <laughs> I could
5: ever have done, I think. I mean, bloody hell, we've I learned. learned. Borge, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, okay. About... I'm gonna talk about... I'm sorry, man. It'll get better, won't it? <laughs> I don't know, does it get better? Does anybody know if it gets better? Yeah. Yeah. After seven years, does it pick up again? Yeah. Who knows? Has anybody been married for longer than seven years? Yeah. Is it alright? Yeah.
0: So now the tragedy is over, but you can see it live at 7.30 at the Banshee Labyrinth every day until the 24th for free, it's a free show free to get in, but we would like you to contribute on the way out you can find us on Twitter at Stand Up For Tragedy you can like us or friend us on Facebook and you can spread the word in every way you can subscribe to us on iTunes, the Stitcher Smart radio app, Soundcloud anywhere that podcasts like to hang out on the internet, you will find us there This podcast was recorded by Stephen Harvey and it was put together by me. The outro song was produced by George Brufton and our regular theme
2: bed was written by Samuel.